Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Go down to verse 13. And you have a a lot of scripture there. And one of the reasons I gave those scripture out to you so that twofold, you can look at them later. But also you can look at these scripture because there's so many I may not have the chance to read all of these. But these scriptures are from God's word telling about the end time events. The message that, the title of the message that God has given me is Headline News. The, we read the headlines today and it's just, it's just amazing what we read. First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning with verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Did you see that? It tells us that those who have died in Christ that are in the grave, they're going to rise first. They're going to beat us out of here. And then we who are alive will also rise to meet them. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then look, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Uh, What a powerful passage of Scripture. I could also, on your notes there, uh, I could also read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 55, but I won't take the time to read that because you've got it there. But it, it says essentially the same thing. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, then we who are alive. And may I, may I tell you very honestly, I believe with all of my heart the coming of the Lord is so near that many of you sitting here today will be alive when the rapture takes place. Now, that may shock you, that may surprise you, but that's how close that I believe it is. Let me ask you a question. I asked them to to leave the the house lights up a little bit so I can see. I want to ask you a question, and uh, be honest with me. Be up front with me, and and if you don't know, then just just be honest, because many people don't understand the end-time events. They've not been taught. They went to a church that gave uh, wrong teaching on it or whatever. But how many of you have never heard the word rapture or don't know what it means. Anybody here this morning? Malik raises his hand. He's never heard it. Is there anyone else that has never heard the word rapture? What about, what about the word tribulation? The tribulation period, have you, have you heard of that word? What about the great tribulation? Have you heard about that? Uh, what about, have you heard about the, the Antichrist? Do you know what that is? It's, it's a man that takes power after, I believe, the rapture of the church. And he comes in and he is the most cruel, inhumane man that has ever walked upon this earth. What about uh, the second coming? Have you heard that? These are terms that unless you've heard about the, the rapture or the coming of the Lord, uh, you've not heard these words or at least don't understand them. And as I thought about this, I thought I can almost imagine the headline news on that day when the rapture takes place. TV sets will be on around the world. And and I remember in 9-11 when 
when that happened. And, and my staff and I, we were down in the sanctuary of our church. We were praying. And the secretaries came down and said, uh, you need to come up. There's, uh, America has been attacked. And so we came running up. And I mean, we had the TVs going and we were watching to see and, they, and our hearts were just sinking. So on this day, people are going to be watching. Here's almost what you can hear on the news that day. Millions are missing and no one knows what is wrong. In a breaking story, CNN or MSNBC or Fox are reporting that suddenly around the world, millions are missing and have just disappeared and no one knows where they went. No one understands. There's no clue as to their whereabouts. Cars by the thousands have gone off the highway and, and, and have crashed and the drivers are nowhere around. Planes have crashed because the pilots could not be found. The trains have crashed because the engineers could not be found. They might even go ahead to say something like, some have speculated that it's what Christians for years have called the rapture. But we in our search have, have gone to churches and we found that the churches are full and there are many pastors still behind their pulpits so it can't be the rapture of the church. Well, let me tell you, and I say this very sincerely and I say it with heartbreak. After the rapture takes place and Christians are gone, there are going to be many still in the churches. There are going to be many pastors who claim to be pastors, but they're going to be left behind because they did not live the life. You say, what are you talking about? What, 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 is this, what is this major event that you're talking about? It's known as the rapture of the church. I'm going to make the first part of this message as basic as I can because I want you to catch this and I want you to understand that some of you never have been, heard this teaching, so uh, I want to make it as basic as I possibly can. I also want to tell you that you have a right, if you've studied this and you've researched it, you have the right to disagree with me on certain aspects of this teaching because no one has all the answers. The most brilliant Bible scholar, of which I definitely am not, but the most brilliant Bible scholar, the prophecy teachers, are going to be surprised when it all happens because they're going to say, we did not know it was going to go down that way. So let's go into this study, and, and point number one is Rapture 101. Just very basic. The passage from 1 Thessalonians 4, and the passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 55, tell about a great event that occurs known as the rapture of the church. Now, if you have heard people, they will tell you, well, there is no such thing as rapture because the rapture is not even mentioned in the Bible. You know something? They're right. The word rapture is never one time referred to in the Bible, so, so where do we get that? Rapture comes from the Latin word, and I can't pronounce it. It's spelled R-A-P-I-E-M-U-R, -E which means to seize hastily, to, to snatch away. The Greek word from which we get the word rapture is harpazo, H-A-R-P-A-Z-O. And it's found in Paul's writing in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It alludes to harpazo or to the rapture. The rapture will be that event when Jesus comes back in the clouds and he sends out a trumpet call and we who are truly born again Christians will rise in the air and we will meet Jesus in the clouds to go to heaven with him. Now, please 
Do not ask me how in the world can this happen? There is no man alive that can explain to you how the rapture takes place, how we gravity loses hold and we, we rise to meet Jesus Christ in the air. I, I can't, it, it's beyond my imagination. I cannot comprehend it. But another a, a, a term used for this event is oftentimes called the second coming. Now, the second coming has been confused a little bit because I believe that the second coming is a two-part event. I believe the first part of the second coming occurs at the rapture, and then I believe the second part of the second coming is when Jesus literally comes back to earth he sets up his rule and reign on the earth, and we as Christians are leaders in the world of that day. Now, when I have studied this, there are essentially, I'm sure there are more theories than this, but there are essentially three theories on when the rapture takes place. Now, how many of you have heard of something called the Great Tribulation as I ask at the first of the service? The word great tribulation is a seven-year period that is going to take place, and I don't have time to discuss that in length. That's a second part to this, to this message. It's a second part that I will not have time to get to. But the great tribulation is a seven-year period upon this earth that will be the worst period of mankind. Literally billions, I didn't, I didn't say millions, literally billions will die during the great tribulation because of the evil that will be vomited onto the earth during that time. And so there are, there are those who believe that the rapture takes place at the end of the tribulation. They're called post-trib. There are those who believe that, that the rapture will take place in the middle of the tribulation. They're called the mid-trib. And I believe with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength in the pre-trib theory that says the church will be raptured before uh, the great tribulation period begins. Now, that does not mean that the church will not ever experience tribulation because many throughout the world, as a matter of fact, if you study it, more martyrs are being killed today for the cause of Christ than at any time in the history of mankind. But I believe that Jesus is going to come before the tribulation. And why do I believe that? Because the tribulation period in my study is for two main purposes. One, it's for the purification of the Jews. And secondly, it's to punish those who have rejected God. And the church is not a part of either one of those. So I believe that we will rise out of here. As I say, I don't know how that can happen. I mean, it's almost like a Steven Spielberg movie that's science fiction and all of that. It's just so far out there. But those who have not accepted Jesus as their personal savior or those who have drawn away from God will be left behind, if you want to know the term. They will be left behind to go through the most cruel and inhumane time of life that man has ever known. Believe me. You don't want to go through the great tribulation. You want to be ready to meet Jesus Christ. I told somebody in between what I was preaching, and, and I said, if you think it's hard living for Jesus now, wait till the great tribulation period. There will be people who will be saved, uh, Brother Ed, during the tribulation period. I think thousands, maybe even millions will be saved, 
but most likely they're going to have to give their lives. They're going to have their heads chopped off for their faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's an unbelievable time period. Uh, we think of Hezbollah and ISIS and we think of Hitler and Mussolini and men like that through the ages of time who have been cruel and heartless. And we think, well, nobody could be that mean. Oh, believe you me, folks. They're going to be like choir boys compared to what's going to take place during this great tribulation. The Antichrist is going to come and he's going to come on the scene. And I personally believe that a major financial crisis, a total crash of the economic welfare of the world will happen. And the Antichrist will come on the scene and he will solve those problems and men will look at him and want to follow him. But thank God, we as believers and we as children of God are not going to have to be here during that period. Now, others believe differently. They, as I said, they believe in the mid-trib or the post-trib. And if you believe in those, that's, I'm not going to argue with you uh, because you know, there is enough leeway to, to not understand fully. But as, as I've studied this subject over the years, literally hundreds and hundreds of hours. It has fascinated me, it has drawn me. And so here's the thing I want you to understand. The signs are pointing to the fact that Jesus could return very quickly, very soon. I don't know, now, okay, let me just be totally frank with you, totally honest. It could be 100 years from now. I'm not trying to tell you because even scripture tells us that no man knows the day nor the hour when he's coming. So if you hear somebody that puts a date and a time on it, ignore them. You hear me? Anybody, they've done it over the years. I've heard preachers that, and, and say, well, it's going to happen in 1988 and 88 reasons why he's coming in 1988 and, and, uh, when they begin to spout that, I automatically reject them as men of God because they're men or women of God because they're not telling the truth because the Bible says no man knows the days. But it does tell us in the Bible that there are signs that will point to the time when Jesus is coming back. So that's why I believe that he could be coming soon. Now, number one, is signs, uh, uh, the second point of this message is the signs of the time. What are those signs? Matthew chapter 24, verse seven says, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines, pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Did you see that? It says in the days prior to the return of Jesus, wars, famines, Pestilence and earthquakes will be happening. Folks, when you say, well, these have happened all during mankind, and that's true, but they're happening at such a consistency. Uh, earthquakes are happening in places that they never expected earthquakes. Things are happening. Hurricanes are happening. Uh, people are being destroyed, and they're wanting to blame it on climate change. And I'm not, I'm not debating climate change at all. What I'm saying is it could be a sign of the time. One of the things that you have to understand, even with COVID, it talks about pestilence. It, COVID could be considered that and be a part of that. 
And so uh, I don't know what caused COVID. I'm not going to try to get into the debate of who caused it or what caused it or anything of that nature. But I will tell you this as I have looked at it. I believe that governments have seen that they can shut the world down with, with a sickness. I mean, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, can the world be shut down? Can the church be shut down? I would have said there is no way that that can happen. But it has been proven that there is a way to shut the world down. Do you realize in 2020, the world was shut down? We were sitting at home one day and uh, because couldn't go anywhere. And I, I, I told Marquita, I said, listen to that. And she says, what? I don't hear anything. I said, that's what I mean. There's no traffic on, on, on P Highway. There's nothing out on, in front of us. There's no traffic moving. People are scared. Over 7 million people worldwide have died with COVID complications. The church was shut down. Fortunately, we were able to, to deal with through live stream. Uh, Chad told how that the first live stream from Destiny Church happened when he came, turned the, the, uh, the, the camera on, rushed up here, preached, went back afterwards, turned it off, and that was live stream at Destiny Church. Now, that was the first one. But now we have a sophisticated system of live stream, and churches have that. But hear me, folks. Facebook and YouTube can shut that down in a heartbeat. And they could shut out the live stream, and nothing about the church would be going out to the world. You see, can that happen? Yeah, we've proven that it can happen. But there are other signs that I believe are even more prevalent and more powerful as a matter of fact, when I look at these, my mouth just falls open because it's impossible that they will happen. One of those signs is this, the return of the Jews to their homeland. The chances of this miracle taking place, and you have several scripture there that prophesy that, that Israel is going to return to their homeland. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Israel was destroyed in AD 70. Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed, it, and Jews were literally dispersed around the world. There, do you realize there was no Israel from AD 70 until May of 1948? That's a period of almost 1,900 years when Israel is silent. There is no mention of the name of Israel because it has been destroyed. And yet God says, I'm going to bring them from the four corners and I'm going to bring them back to Israel and that nation is going to be reborn and is going to become a vital force in the end times. Almost 1,900 years there was no national Israel. The Jews are the only people group, people culture in the world that have been dispersed like this and had no homeland for 1,900 years and survived and came back and became strong. Every other people group that has been dispersed like this have been destroyed with no trace of them left in history. You say, this doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Well, it should. You say, well, Israel doesn't mean a lot to me. Well, it should also. But Jesus prophesied that because of their sins and because of their rebellion, he would drive them from their homeland. And that happened in AD 70. But thank God Jesus didn't stop there. 
He then went ahead, and you've got, you've got scripture verses there, and I could have given you, I don't know how many more. There are so many references in the Bible about Israel coming back to their homeland, and I could have, I could have filled up several sheets with verses that tell you that it's going to happen, but Jesus prophesied that they were going to come from the four corners of the earth, and they were coming back to Israel, and Israel is going to be reborn as a nation. I mean, this was impossible, folks. This was impossible. Because, night, I mean, the Jews were dispersed all over the world. They were it's very, I mean, if any Jews still in Israel, and Israel was not a nation. It was Mark Twain, as a matter of fact, in the late 1800s, visited the area known as Israel. And Mark Twain made the comment that there is nothing there. There's no one there. It's just a barren, dry desert area. There is nothing to Israel. But may I tell you today that that dry, barren land called Israel is now, Chad, you and Tosh have been there. It is now a flourishing country. I mean, out of the middle of desert, dry desert, they have planted trees and they're growing and it's just amazing what has happened in the land of Israel. All because God said it would happen. Jeremiah 30, verses one through three. I'm gonna prove it to you. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, thus speaks the Lord God of Israel saying, write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah. He says, I'm going to bring them back, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. I mean, this is unbelievable. But that's what he said, Isaiah 43, 5 and 6. It's on your scripture there. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Can you see this? What Jesus is saying here or, or the Bible is saying, he's saying that they're gonna come back just supernaturally. I, I have heard people tell how that in conversing with Jews, they said they lived throughout the world and they said, we don't know why we decided to come home. But we just all of a sudden felt a desire to, to come back to Israel and they started coming from literally around the world. Today, there are over 7 million Jews in the land of Israel. <coughs> Jeremiah 23, verses three, seven, and eight. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them. You see that? And bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Verse 7. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. No, that's going to be minor, he says. Uh, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I have driven them and they shall dwell in their own land. He says, I'm gonna bring them back. No other people group has this ever happened to in the history of mankind. Isaiah 11, 
11 and 12. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover <coughs> the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, Shinar from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Uh, let's skip down to, uh, let's go to Amos chapter 9. We'll skip one passage here. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine. It's talking about the prosperity of the nation of Israel, how that God is going to turn things around and that nation is going to become such a prosperous nation. And all the hills shall flow with it. And I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land and no longer, I want you to notice this, shall they be pulled up from the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Please understand this and understand verse 15. I believe that God has miraculously brought Israel back home and I also believe that they will no longer be removed from their homeland. Do you hear me? I don't believe that Israel will ever be removed from, uh, from the land of Israel. The Jews will ever be removed from the land of Israel again. I have said this and I believe this. You can turn literally every nuclear weapon. Anthony, I, I believe you can turn every nuclear weapon found in the world today, turn it toward Israel and release them. And when the smoke is cleared, Israel is still going to be standing. Why? Because God said it would. He said they will not be removed from their land it, right here in verse 15. So people have got to understand, this is talking about an event that is absolutely miraculous. And believe me, understand folks, during the tribulation period, what I've just been talking about, nuclear weapons being turned against Israel, it's going to happen during the tribulation period, and it may even happen before the rapture of the church. It may happen in our day because there are nations that hate Israel. Young people, this may sound boring and totally uninteresting to you because you think this has nothing to do with me, but it should excite you that you have had the privilege of living right in the middle of a prophecy fulfillment that was made thousands of years ago. This prophetic word was, was given thousands of years ago. It was prophesied and it was, it's being fulfilled right before our eyes. Why are the Jews hated so much? It's not because they're so numerous and they're trying to take control of the world. Do you know that as far as the people of, of the Jews in the world, in, in the world, there are 15.3 million Jews in the world. As I said, there are over 7 million Jews in the land of Israel. Do you realize that that is 0.875 of 1% of the world's population that are Jewish in the land of Israel? 
and yet they are hated. If you watch the news, now it's not been on there so much recently because of the war between uh, 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 Russia and, 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 and all the others around them. So that's been taken up the headlines. But before that, it was amazing how Jerusalem and Israel was in the headlines almost every day. This is a little tiny nation about the size of New Jersey. And yet of all the nations in the world, they're being talked about. Anti-Semitism is rampant, uh, running wild throughout the world. In America, we're seeing Jewish tabernacles attacked and trying to be destroyed. Why? Because God said it would happen. I mean, there was no other way around it. The modern return to Israel began as early as 1871 when a few Jews began to trickle back into the land. By 1882, about 25,000 Jews had settled in Israel. By 1914, the number of Jews in the land was still only around 85,000. But during World War I, the British sought support from the Jews for the war effort, so in return, the British Foreign Secretary Arthur J. Balfour issued what has since become known as the Balfour Declaration, in which he said, His Majesty's government views with favor the establishment of Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. In other words, a return of Israel. Although little was done at the time, it seemed to inspire the, the Jews and they began to come back home. By 1939, when World War II broke out, about 450,000 Jews had managed to return. But then in World War II, Hitler started taking the Jews and massacred six million Jews. Why? Why did he do this? I mean, the Jews weren't, as far as we know, but they weren't causing any great catastrophe. But you see, he knew, and, and he, he, he just had it in his head, and, and, and the devil was talking to him and made him kill the Jews. But I want you to understand this. Out of this came triumph. Out of the catastrophe of six million Jews being annihilated, God began to move. By 1948, there were approximately 650,000 Jews in the land of Israel and several Arabs. But today, there's approximately 7 million Jews. And it says that he's going to, he's going to bring them back. Well, it's, 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 not, it's not coming in the future. It's already happened to show us that his return is near. And last, I want to show you one of the things that makes me, uh, one of the signs. It says, Israel will become a nation. Remember that I told you that Israel was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70 and there was no Israel for the next almost 1900 years. But on May the 14th, 1948, against unbelievable odds, the United Nations voted in favor of declaring that Israel could become a nation. All Arab nations voted against it, but it was still passed. Grown men cried and wept like babies. It was beyond a miracle, but that didn't stop right there. The next day after they were chosen and voted in as to become a nation, five Arab nations attacked Israel Here's a nation one day old, no effective military, no effective military equipment. So the Arab nations wiped them out, right? Wrong. 
Israel defeated them. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. He says in Mark 13, 38, now learn this parable from the fig tree. The nation of Israel has always been synonymous with the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. This is a prophetic word that Israel will become a nation once again. That happened in 1948. Friend, you have to understand, please, all of these things I have mentioned point to the soon return of Jesus and the rapture of Christians out of here. This whole world is a mess. But we're going we're to get escorted out of here. We're going to rise to meet Jesus in the clouds and we're going to spend the next seven years in heaven eating at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Men, think about that. We're going to spend the next seven years eating And God has already told me specifically that there will be no coffee served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> and he's also told me that liver and onions will not be served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I'm free to go. He said that blizzards will be the main f- a meal offered. So uh, Dairy Queen blizzards are on the agenda for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Seriously. I have wept as I have studied this because I think of you and I think of my family that could be left behind if they're not right with Jesus. Folks, we've got to be ready. He's coming and it's going to be so near. I, I, I cannot imagine what's going to happen. Yes, there will be people saved during the great tribulation period, but relatively few so live for God now. Make your choice. Young people, I know, young people, I know that it's tough. I know that it's difficult. I mean, you're facing obstacles that we never, I never had to face in my generation. But be ready to meet Jesus because it's going to pay dividends. And I ask you, are you ready to meet Jesus? And I say that sincerely. Would you bow your heads with me? Are you ready to meet Jesus? If you have any questions about that, if you wonder if you will meet, be ready to meet the Lord, or maybe you say, well, I've decided that I'm, you know, I'm a young person and I'm going to live life to the fullest, then I'm going to come back to Jesus in my later life. That may not happen, folks. You don't want to be left behind. Because if you're left behind... Let me tell you, there is one, for instance, there is one thing that happens during the tribulation period that says that one-fourth of the world's population will die. Now, the world's population just recently passed 8 billion people. Stop and think about that. It tells us that 2 billion people are going to be uh, killed in this one tribulation. I think nuclear weapons are going to be used during this time. But then later, there's another passage, another uh, a trial that comes that says one-third of the world's population. That means that there would be six billion left. And so again, one-third of six billion is two billion. Another two billion people will die. 
folks, listen to me. It's worth living for Jesus now. It's, it, it, it's the right thing to do.